This is the Family Culture Project, episode number 19, Technology and Family Culture, with guest, Elisa Pulliam. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. What do you think the best part about technology is? Hmm. I struggle with that one all of the time, especially with the kids. Um, I would say the best part of technology to me, and this will sound probably a little quirky, is um, I can look up on YouTube how to fix something that I would normally have to call somebody to come and fix, like something silly in the toilet or a a bike tire. Um, So I've learned how to do a few things, um, you know, via via the technology. And I, I think that's pretty cool. I definitely love social media. I'm a big Instagram fan, but I would say even more than the ability to connect with people all over the world through social media is the ability for me to connect with my kids. I know my kids aren't supposed to have their phones in school, but when I get a text from them in the middle of the day, either telling me that they miss me, they love me, or that they're struggling with something, and then I have the opportunity to encourage them through a quick text... I actually love that connectivity and the ease of getting in touch with them so easy. And, you know, especially during these years as my girls get older and these stereotypical teen years where maybe you're not talking as much or maybe they're busy and they're they're going everywhere with their friends and they're always on the go. It's a really simple way to stay connected with encouraging words and to consistently tell them how much you love them. Well, I like the I like the the spin you had for that because I do think that that's a big positive. I, I love the texts that w- I get. I think that has a great positive. There's also the downside to that as well. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the downsides as it pertains to family life? Well, I do think that just you know just the downside of even the connection is that I'm not sure if they're texting me in class or (laughs) when they should be paying attention or if they're texting me in their off time. And so I do think what it does is it makes it really easy to be distracted. And I think it is really easy to use your phone and that connectivity as a way to not necessarily be present in the moment and with the people that are in front of you. And I find that even at home when I'm trying to use technology, um, I'm not focused on my kids who are sitting with me at the time. Yeah. How many times have you actually been texting with somebody that's within earshot of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> that happens too. Yeah. So it's, it's thing that has to have some discipline around it because it, it can suck you in. I think the downside that you, you partially mentioned it as well is that you get these words of encouragement out there, but you also, you know, with technology and the platforms, you, you see, um, what everybody else is doing in all their good moments, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes that makes you kind of feel bad or maybe not so good about what you're currently involved in. And I think sometimes that that actually hurts people, um, at least mentally in a way. Um, and so, so you have to be protective of that as well. Yeah, that's the big reason why I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that I am connected to people that I wouldn't normally be connected with. 
but I know myself and in this particular area, I know that spending time on Facebook usually leads to me having the fear of missing out, seeing other people doing things with each other or accomplishing things that I didn't accomplish or other kids are doing something that my kids didn't do. And, and I have to be mindful of how that makes me feel. And another thing that I have to keep an eye on is, um, you know, why am I posting and what am I posting? So I think there was a time when I started to post things on Facebook to like show people what I was up to. And I was doing it because I wanted to gain social status because I wanted people to think a certain way of me. And that's when I started to really put a halt on Facebook and to step back from it. Although I don't find it's the same with Instagram. And I think that's why I love it so much. Yeah, I think you have to be really careful with that. I'm probably the only person left in the world, um, not on Facebook, but um, that's a whole that's a whole nother episode. Mm-hmm. So, is there one in particular area that you struggle with this when it comes to technology? What do you What do you look to keep some boundaries on? Well, I think I think the good and the bad, and this is why I'm talking about it. So so there's some good as it relates to work because it gives you flexibility to be away from your desk and be away from your work environment or your state at work environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it gives you flexibility. But but the downside to that is you're always connected with work. So you're always expected to respond even when you're on the baseball field watching your son play baseball. You're expected Mm -hmm. to respond all the time. Um, and, and, you know, so there's, so there's the positive with the negative there. I think I probably struggle that with that the most. And the only other struggle I have is if, if it takes the kids attention away too much when I want them to be present in, in, in the moment on the weekends with people or visitors, um, making sure that we, we do not allow them to be so distracted then Mm -hmm. and it's putting the devices away playing games, going outside and, mm-hmm. and, and they enjoy it, but, but it's up to us to make sure that we uh, train them that way. The one thing I do worry about when it comes to technology, especially with our children, is that they will not have the ability to function without it. I know myself and let's say like I forget my phone home and I go to an event or I go to a sporting event, a game or whatever, and I go to reach for my phone constantly, even though I know I don't have it. And I grew up without technology. So I look at my children and I think, are they going to be able to have the ability to make eye contact with somebody, interact with somebody when they want to have a conversation online? Can they do it in more than 140 characters? Can they actually write a complete sentence, form full thoughts, or are they they leaning on this ease of quick replies and quick responses and, and, and are they really equipped to go into adulthood? You mean IDK really doesn't help no. us in communication? No, I think, I think that that's exactly the same for me. Um, feeling that I have in the sense that, do our children, do we lose the ability to communicate? Um, the thing that I remember, and and this sticks out to me, reading some of the historical books, and when people used to go on vacation to far off places, they would write these long, detailed letters describing the place that they were, their feelings. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And then it's when it's well written as well. So, so you're thinking about these letters and you're like, wow, today we just write having fun. See you soon. Love ya or whatever it is. And, and it's just like with a picture on an Instagram shot. And, um, you, you definitely lose this ability to communicate that used to exist without the technology. 
Well, you're not forced to form those thoughts and make those observations anymore because you have your phone to do it for you. What I love about this interview with Elisa is she really backs up a lot of her thoughts on technology and a lot of her tips and strategies on the scientific research that she's read. And so there's a lot of startling information out there about how it affects us personally and how it affects our brain. So those are the things that we really want you guys to listen to. So the other thing I would say about this episode is, look, we all know, and we've talked about it a little bit already, is that technology can can be something that's a distraction. And when you're trying to build strong family culture and, and adhere to a set of core values, um, you don't want the technology to be a distraction. And I think it's an important topic to consider as you're, as you're building, um, you know, with your family, your strong family culture. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? A family retreat is a fun way to connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you are doing as a family. Our family retreat is one of the things that we look forward to each year. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and for only $5.99, you can download the family retreat packet and host your own family retreat. Today, I am thrilled to have back Lisa Pulliam. This isn't the first time Lisa's been with us. Early on in the season, she was featured on the episode, When Your Spouse Is Not On Board. It was an insightful conversation that I truly believed encouraged those who feel alone in the culture building process in their home. If you missed that episode, here's what you need to know about Elisa. She is the founder of More To Be, a ministry devoted to equipping women with biblical resources, coaching, and mentor training. She is also the owner of the Kaleo Agency, and as a creative strategist. She helps female entrepreneurs, coaches, and writers develop their brand marketing in order to convey their message and maximize their mission with ease. Her latest book, Unblinded Faith, Gaining Spiritual Sight Through Believing God's Word, is described as more than a devotional. It's a tool for growing deep spiritual roots. So welcome back to the show. It's so good to have you here again. I love being with you, Kim. This is great. So I am so excited to talk about social media and screens because I have a now 11, 13, and 15-year-olds. And even though only two of them have phones, we still have other devices. And we, we have, it's just, it's a force to be reckoned with in our house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I really think that other people are struggling with the same things and they're trying to figure out how do we navigate this. And so... Um, I'm super excited for you to talk to us about this. You did a blog post called Socials and Screens, Are We Really Addicted for More to Be? And it talked about how technology is impacting this generation. And it all began with an experience that you had with your family. So can you tell us about that? Sure, yeah. Uh, It was kind of a twofold experience. The first part was that we went on a cruise, which is not something we've done as a family. It was for my father-in-law's birthday. And we were unprepared for the uh, social media cutoff that happens when you sail out of port. (laughs) None of us had really reconciled in our mind that like when we sail away, there will no longer be connection. And it was very interesting to watch the dynamics of my two older girls where the the youngers didn't have uh, cell phones at the time. So my older girls had their cell phones. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to see how we were handling the cutoff. And so... I'll never forget, we're pulling out a port and the music is going and drinks are being passed around and things are flying in the air. And three of the six of us are like quickly trying to send our last social media text (laughs) messages to the world and missing this like monumental event that anytime you would see it in a movie, you would be like, I want to be there. 
Yeah. And we were completely missing it. And so that was the beginning of me saying, Houston, we have a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I bet. And yeah. so how, how did that cruise turn out? How was that? How was the withdrawal? Well, it was a good 24 hours of a three-day cruise, which didn't give us much time to adjust. Yeah. Um, what was interesting was that even the twins had their iPods and there was an app that you could download to communicate within the ship. And okay. what was interesting to me was that it mostly didn't work. And yet the number of times we were pulling out our phones to check nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I think I was the worst with it in terms of, I felt this serious disconnect and I felt, uh, I felt I saw the signs of how many times I was checking. Like I think statistics say the average female checks every 12 minutes. And mm -hmm. I would say I fall, I fell within that 12 minute range. And I don't even know what I was checking because there was nothing to check. And then yeah. the real um, keeper for me was that um, my oldest and I, we were laying on these lounge chairs at, at uh, one of the resort sites. And she said, mom, you know, if my phone was working, it would be between me and the sun, like literally like above her head, she would be checking while she was lying there. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty much the first time the two of us had spent any time together in a long time where there wasn't a nag to check. And we just were unwinding. Mm -hmm. uh, and just to set the context, like we're a family that does not have our phones at the table like policy, like we mm -hmm. are a family that says one screen at a time policy. We're a family that has historically said screens don't go to the bedroom, although those rules have changed as the girls have gotten older. Um, and so uh, it, it wasn't like we sit in social circles on our phones. Like we don't do that. Yeah. Um, and yet there was a distinct difference being cut off. Wow. I can imagine. I know we're getting ready to go on vacation in a few weeks and, um, It'll, it'll be interesting now to see, like, because we won't give them, we'll be abroad. And so we were not giving them Wi-Fi access because you have to pay for that every day. <laughs> yes. So that will not be happening. So I, I'm really looking forward to being disconnected um, yeah. from it in that way. Um, so you ended up doing some research. You ended up getting really interested yes. in this topic, right? Yeah. So I came back and the car ride back, a lot of, a lot, I have four children. The four kids mm -hmm. were all saying, this was the best family vacation they've ever had. We were more present with each other than we had ever been. And how can we continue that going? Mm -hmm. So we kind of revisited the policies of, of screens in our house. And then about four weeks later, my husband and I were at a, a weekend to remember with family life. And one of those conversations that transpired was where is social media um, stealing time from our memory making? Mm -hmm. And we, it, the short version of that story is that we decided to delete Facebook off our phones, mm -hmm. which I have since put back on. Um, mm -hmm. My husband decided he was going to dock his phone in the kitchen and not bring it into the bedroom. I have not done that. Uh, and one of the things was I wanted to understand the beast. Like, why was this happening? And began researching uh, everything I could find about social media addiction. I wanted to know for myself, is this a thing or is this not a thing? And what I did uncover was that your body produces dopamine, which is the same addictive agent that makes a person drive a car fast, get addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, 
um, has that same uh, response and the dopamine in us is released in the amount of time it takes to read a 140 character tweet. Hmm. So that scroll and that mindless scrolling is the dopamine hit again and again and again. And then one of the pieces of information I uncovered was that a child, a three-year-old child on an iPad has the same brain map uh, as uh, an adult addicted to cocaine. Wow. In terms of the chemical dopamine response. So it's not a, I just need to have more self-will. You would never ask an alcoholic to just have self-will. You would tell that alcoholic, you cannot go into the bar and sit down. Your self-will is not enough. You need to change your lifestyle. You need to have supports in place. You need to adjust your expectations of what you can handle. And yet when it comes to technology and social media, we are living without any boundary lines, no matter what age we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can hear myself right now saying to my kids, why can't you just leave your phone alone? <laughs> yes. But yes. Right. it needs to be somewhere else. And we too try to set boundaries on when they have it. Um, and so for us, it's definitely time to revisit that discussion of when you have it, how you use it, because um, as the kids get older, the changes, especially yes. in school and what yes. they expect in, in terms of connection from the children. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw that. And I'll back up a second. One thing during my research period that I noticed was that I could be in a room with toddlers to grandmas and everyone was on a device and mm -hmm. everyone was manifesting the same problem, which told me that wisdom alone was not enough to change the behavior. Yeah. That there was something deeper going on in a person that was causing the same behavior to manifest in a 60 year age span. Yeah. Um, so, so that being said, one of our challenges that we've had is that we were a no screens in the bedroom, no iPads, no phones, no laptops, right? Mm -hmm. But then our kids uh, get issued uh, little Chromebooks from school and they need to do their homework. And I'm very much uh, an observant, a respecter of personality styles mm -hmm. and learning style differences. And one person can study where there's a lot going on. Another person needs not only the quiet space, but their space a certain way to do their work effectively. Yeah. And so what do you do for that teenage child who needs to be alone in a room with a closed door so that they can concentrate on their homework? Yeah. But now because of the school expectations, that's dependent on their screen. Yeah. Um, and so that really has made it very hard for us to keep to the ideal boundaries that we wanted to have. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've had to, what we use um, to help is a device called Circle by Disney. Mm -hmm. And it, it, within our home, we're not, we don't pay for the external plan, but within our home, we have set um, time limits on how much time they could be on YouTube, how much time they could be on their social media apps, when their Wi-Fi connection turns off. And so that's how we've Plus, we can see the history of every place that they've been. So yeah. that is that's how we are trying not to police, but to provide accountability for our kids on something that's addictive. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <clears throat> yeah, my uh, my middle daughter, my middle child, she loves to be in her room and get her work done, and that's how she she works. And the other two, they love to be right at the island with me doing whatever and. 
we were one of those parents before, you know, 10 years ago when computers were out, we're like, oh, no computers in closed rooms and bedrooms. And now like who knew that the school would have such an expectation that everything would be done on these, on these Chromebooks that they give you. Yeah. We're in yeah. this boat. So that's, that's encouraging and, and yeah. insightful and something to keep in mind. So how do you feel that technology is affecting family relationships? What are you seeing? Oh, it definitely causes a sense of I'm not as important as whoever's on the other side of the screen. Mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed my littles, uh, when they're no longer little, they're in seventh grade going yeah. to eighth grade <laughs> soon. And they, um, they both have their, they both have iPhones. They both have, well, my son doesn't, is not interested in social media. So he mm -hmm. literally like today had to run back inside to remember his phone. It's mm -hmm. a phone, an yeah. old school phone. Yeah. Um, my my other my his twin um she can't wait to get on snapchat and keep her streaks going oh but yeah she's she's only allowed to have female friends on snapchat oh, okay. so we we and she only gets like 20 minutes a day i think right. <laughs> so she has to be really disciplined in how to use that time but i watched i watched our culture change and that my my kids walk in the door and they'll come see me like I'm be in the office and they'll come in and we'll talk. I have to close my computer so that I'm engaged with them. We have a conversation. How was your day? But the next thing that my Katie does is she goes and she checks her Snapchat streets because she's not checked them all day and she's mm -hmm. now checking them and that changes interactions, right? It, it says I'm not available to you right now because I am doing something else. Mm -hmm. um, and the way I, I give a, I see it just like a dad with an old fashioned newspaper. You know yeah. when that newspaper is up or when the clicker is in the hand and you're watching TV, that that's that person's activity. And you now need to negotiate, am I going to interrupt them or not? And that person involved in that activity needs to say, I'm gonna put this down and pay attention to you or not. It's the mm -hmm. same sort of social culture Mm -hmm. that we have to decide people are more important than things. And so right. screens have to wait and real life conversation takes precedent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds like learning how to do life on purpose <laughs> yes. and interact with people on purpose. Like it takes a lot of thought. I mean, I, I find myself doing that too. I have told my kids, if you see me texting somebody, especially if it's like the carpool or the neighbor, it, it's like I'm having a conversation. I know it doesn't feel like it, but you just yeah. need to wait till I'm done because I want to finish my thought and I want to give them my full attention. I don't yeah. want to be caught up in this. What, what did you say? You know, like while I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. and so that takes practice. That doesn't come naturally. I wish it doesn't. <laughs> and one thing that I've kind of put into place, and it's probably because I teach this coach training class where mm -hmm. I'm teaching women all the time how to let other people know you're listening, even if you're not face to face with them. So you kind of start running a little commentary like, oh, I, I, I just saw that bird fly out the window so that they know if you sound slightly distracted, why you're distracted. Yeah. So you can apply that with, hey, I'm just going to check my email here for five minutes to catch up on work. I'll be done and then we can talk. Or yeah. I, I feel like scrolling Instagram for five minutes. I mean, let's be honest. If that's what you feel like doing, then do that. But I, it's my accountability for myself. Am I doing something that absolutely needs to be done right now? And if I have to verbalize it, that holds me accountable. Mm -hmm. And then also kind of modeling for the kids. Like I'm not just playing on my phone. For me, it's 90% it's work and 10% yeah. play. 
And, and so you got to look like I just noticed something. Uh, we had a long car trip and I noticed that we're all on our devices or sleeping. Um, but on the way home from this trip, we talked for like an hour and a half because uh, so much that had transpired through the day. We had, we had interactions with so many people. We had things we wanted to share with one another. And so uh, we need to, if all of us got in the car and got on our devices, those conversations wouldn't have been had. Right. Uh, and I had to set the tone. Like if I got on my device, that would have given permission for the rest of the kids to get on. Oh, theirs. definitely. Yeah. So one thing I've been doing a lot, and this is just very recently, is I have a little um, dock on the dashboard for my phone that I usually put it in if I'm driving. Mm -hmm. But even if my husband's driving, I'm, I'm docking it. Right. Which is interesting shift for me because I'm a multitasker. So I always see like, oh, I'm just sitting here. I might as well catch up, take care of, get something done. And instead saying, no, this could be like a little Sabbath moment where I just sit here and look out the window or have a conversation or caress my husband's arm. And yeah, I can't have that self-control on my own. So I have to put it someplace out of reach that forces me to engage with it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. My husband's spoken up to me before and he's like, you like when we get in the car, you just jump on your phone. And that yeah. used to be a place where we would talk. So yeah. 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 So yeah, similar experience. And I'm I'm trying mm -hmm. to keep it in my purse. Like <laughs> it'll right. be okay from the time we get from here to Costco. <laughs> like Yes. Be fine. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know it's yes. hard. So why do you think it's important for families to come up with their own unique plan for device and social media management? I mean, because I know there's a lot of people out there that have hard and fast rules. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of things. I think one, we need to not compare ourselves to however the other families are doing it, but rather look to be inspired by things that are working in other families. Mm -hmm. And so it, it kind of to step out of that, I failed condemnation, shame. So why even bother and move into, and this is all your wheelhouse culture. What is the mm -hmm. culture of my family? And so yeah. I love what you're doing with the family culture project because that culture doesn't just happen, as you say, it, it is something that is cultivated and created and that is built upon those core values. And so if our family interactions are a priority, then we have to look at how we're spending our time and our resources around that family and that, that family identity. And so social media and technology is either going to uh, yield fruit in that or it's going to detract from that. And mm -hmm. so I think if kids are under the ages of say 12, you get to set the rules and set the expectations and model it. And if mm -hmm. you feel like you've screwed up, the best thing in the world to do with a kid is to say, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. And this is why I think this was wrong. And now this is the direction I want to move in. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And, and let, let them see that, process of transformation so that they understand that they too can make pivots in new directions if they don't yeah. like their behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think with older kids, it requires a little bit more uh, collaboration of, Hey, we need to have a family meeting and here are the things that I feel like I'm concerned about. What are your thoughts on it? And what are changes that you feel like would be reasonable that we can make? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we mentioned, it, it changes from year to year. What, mm -hmm. what works and what is appropriate for our families. 
based on yeah. age and, and what they need to do. Yeah. I mean, one thing we've done when the, with the older girls, we introduced only one social media app at a time so that they had to prove their like stewardship of that. Did mm. they know how to navigate that platform? Did they understand privacy? Did they understand mm. what kind of reputation they were giving themselves based on what they were posting? And then once we felt like they kind of had a mastery of it, then we introduced another app. Um, and so I've, I've done that with my seventh grader as well. And it's based on what, which app she wants. <laughs> yeah. And so, so we've done that. So the next thing that she wants is Instagram, but we are having a real struggle with her in the last couple months. And she knows it of just an attitude, like, and bless her heart. She's like, mommy, I just don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, sweetheart, I don't know what's wrong with you either. And you know, people would say hormones, but yeah, even with hormones, I feel like we are responsible as parents to help them navigate through those hormones. Absolutely. To still speak kindly to one another. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so I said, baby, I, I can't, I can't give you another social media app until you've mastered kind of this area of mm -hmm. character development because that's just going to distract you and oh, definitely not help you focus on this one area that you need to work on. Mm -hmm. Oh, I so agree. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Cause there's that added, if you don't have your character developed and there's that added level of pressure and that added level of, um, or that added opportunity to compare yourself and, and mm -hmm. to keep your eyes focused on things that aren't necessarily going to yield fruit. Like you said, it's, it's rough and we yeah. want them to be prepared and equipped. And I do think it's personality driven. So, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I have four children, two of them, male and female could care less. They are not on social media. They barely use it. Mm -hmm. You hardly hear them talk about it. They're very independent thinkers. Mm -hmm. They feel deeply, but they're independent in there. They're willing to go against the grain. Yeah. The other two, super, super sensitive to fitting in and being included and making sure everything looks right and fits right and feels right. And so for them, social media is a great stumbling block because it is a comparison trap mm -hmm. and, and it is a, a pressure to curate both the real yeah. life and the, and the goofy life. And you're constantly measuring yourself based on what other people are putting out there. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize like how it's so funny because we, we went back home, um, over, over the weekend for an event. And I saw people I haven't seen in six months to a year and they, but they've been following me on Instagram and, and Facebook. And they're like, Oh, life looks so awesome. Everything is so <laughs> great. And I was like, what do you know that I don't know? Because, <laughs> uh, have you not? And they're like, well, everything you put out, I'm like, yeah, everything I put out is preaching to my soul because we've been walking through one of the most difficult seasons of our life. Like, yeah. But I can't, I can't publicly share what we're privately living right. just in the name of authenticity. Yeah. And so even though I'm trying to be as authentic as possible and, and literally preaching to my own soul, what's coming across is mm -hmm. you've got this thing all together. And right that is the great stumbling block, I think, of social media. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I know as somebody who is intentional about Instagram, I, I try to balance what I'm encouraging others with 
by saying, yeah, we don't have this all figured out. And <laughs> it took me a hundred times before I got this right. Or, yeah. um, but that's the kind of message you have to make sure is that provide encouragement without making it look like, yeah, you have it all. Figured. Yeah. And that's tough because we want to be honest and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely get it. I, I thought I was, but apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and maybe she like, missed a few posts. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, there's just been a few things that literally I don't have the freedom to share outside yeah. of even two or three people. Yeah. Like it would, it would be inappropriate to share. It's not my story to tell, or yeah. it's a struggle that is a, in the middle. I always say, if you're in the middle of it, it's not yet time to declare God's glory about it because he's not yet done with it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. So tell us um, as we wrap up, so what are some of the things that our li listeners can do practically uh, and immediately that would help them create healthy habits when it comes to their technology use? Mm. Get honest by um, getting rid of everything for a day. <laughs> maybe two days, just change every single habit for a 24 hour period. Mm, that's good. And, and just as a, not, not that it has to be for life, but like, um, the reason we, we fast when it comes to prayer, mm -hmm. uh, is to feel the hunger pains yeah. as reminders to pray and to, to say, this is worth a sacrifice and a suffering on my part because this means so much. And mm -hmm. I think fasting from our social media use or technology use for a 24 hour period. Um, and maybe, and maybe it's only in part, like you will, if it's for work, you'll use it for work, but you will not touch your phone for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Something to, to kind of do your, your checkup. Like if yeah. you're going to the doctor for your, your well visit, they're going to take your vitals. You're going to go get some blood work done. You're going to get a baseline for where you're at and where your struggle is. And mm -hmm. I think that that's like one of the first steps is to get a sense of where's my struggle and then begin to build new habits to re to protect yourself in those places of weakness. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I've never actually thought that through that clearly before, but because it's something I'm walking through with someone yeah. It's, it's a very recent, like, you don't really know your problem unless you, you come face to face with it. Yeah. Now I'm going to go look at my calendar and figure out when I can fit that in. I know. <laughs> I pick a day where it makes sense, where I would really get the most out of it and then yeah. comfortably do it because I do use yeah. my phone and my social media and stuff for work and yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I think a great way to do it, if, if work is the challenge issue, is mm -hmm. to do a sundown Saturday to a sundown Sunday. Yeah, that's great. Um, because technically, you probably should be with everybody that needs to reach you. Yeah. If you're not, you can tell somebody like, hey, I'm going to be out of reach. Text this person if it's an emergency. Yeah. Uh, and, and see if you can go those 24 hours. And yeah. what do you feel? What are you missing? What are you not missing? And it's not until you let go of something that I think of kind of the, the closed fist, open fist visual. Like if your mm -hmm. fists are closed around something, you cannot hold anything else. Yep. But if you open up your hands and let whatever's there fall, God can actually place something new and better in yeah. your hands. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So tell us where we can find you online. 
Yes. So you can find all the social media resources that I've done at more2b.com, which is M-O-R-E-T-O-B-E. And uh, the idea of more to be isn't that we're doing more or being more, but that we're becoming more like Christ through a fresh encounter with God and his word. Uh, and I'm on social media pretty much everywhere by my name, Elisa Pulliam uh, is where you can find me. Okay, great. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you, Kim. You can find Elisa's post, Social and Screens, Are We Really Addicted? plus other insightful posts on the topic at moretobe.com. And while you're there, grab a copy of the Seven Strategies to Navigate Social Media and Screens with Your Teens and Tweens workbook, which will help you develop a plan that works for your family. We'll link to all of this and where you can find Elisa online in the show notes. The Family Culture Project has a great website, but do you know what's an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she has a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about The Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com. Today's episode was produced by Kimberly Amici, Noel Rhodes, along with production assistant Melanie Torres. The Family Culture Project is a part of the Juniper Collective, a network of podcasting vision carriers who believe every person can have a better life.